It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Good morning, good morning to you and you and you and you and you and you and you, but not you. Actually, no, yeah, yeah, I think you, I think you, yeah, all of you, all of you, welcome to Extra Mile. (gasps) Welcome back, this is part three, this is the final part before we take a little break, just a tiny break, just a tiny break. Um... Regular listeners, as I mentioned before, this is just a regular, uh, this is not a regular episode of Murder Mile, this is Extra Mile, uh, this is the uh, extra bit that's normally on at the end of the show, but because I'm away at the National Archives doing loads of research uh, for the big finale to end season two, which is going to be a biggie, very exciting, uh, this is going to be Extra Mile. So if you're new to Murder Mile, uh, probably not the best episode to start with. Uh, go back and uh, please go back please go back uh, and listen to episodes like episode 40 the Glendor Michael episode uh, those are uh, the single episodes so you could, some of them you can listen to just just uh, alone uh, they're standalone episodes uh, there's some two-parters in there like uh, Who Killed Ginger Ray uh, some of my early ones uh, the sound is a little bit dodgy the uh, um, uh, the voiceover because uh, it was a crappy microphone I know the old days of crappy microphones uh, or I've got multi-parters like the Blackout Ripper which is an eight-part series um, and I'm just working on a ten-parter at the moment is it going to be a ten-parter? we don't know, do we? Do we? so, yep, I'm currently in the National Archives at the moment not at the moment, literally I'm not in there at the moment because if I was in there at the moment and I was recording my podcast in there you'd hear lots of shh, will you shut up? shh, shut up why's that man over there making all that noise? trust me, it's, it's full of uh, lots of lovely people who love to do research, but because it's basically just a big live library, it's very silent and it's very quiet all the time, which is fantastic. A great place to really study. But because next to me are loads of desks where people can take pictures of, of documents. Oh, this is one of my pet peeves. There are some people in the world who don't seem to understand that you can press the button on your camera and you don't, because it's a digital camera, you don't need to have 
like that. You don't need to have the sound effect that tells you that uh, the sound of the shutter opening and closing because it's a digital camera. It doesn't have a shutter, so you don't need it. But there are people there photographing documents all day, and literally it's turn page, turn page, turn page for hours. <gasps> the most boring people in the world. And the worst thing is they meet their friends there and they go. Oh, hello, Gerald. Oh, oh, what are you studying today? Oh, you're studying these maps, are you? And they forget that you meant to shut up. <gasps> anyway, oh, that's normally where I am, but today I'm on the boat. Sitting on the boat. It's a nice, lovely day outside. Uh, it's Friday. Uh, I'm not at the archives today because I kind of I, I kind of burnt my brain out a little bit. And I felt I'd done it as much as I wanted to, so I wanted to take a, sit, uh, a step back. So uh, I've had a, had a day of sorting out the clips for this episode. Uh, I've just done some laundry. Ooh, washing my pants, washing my socks, washing my uh, other stuff as well, yeah. Don't want I have clean pants, yes, clean pants, yes, and me bed sheets, yep. Gotta do me bed sheets, me t shirts and all that, yeah. And jeans, yep, done all those, yep, done all those. Yeah. Don't worry, everything's nice and clean and neat. Um and I've come back here and uh it's uh late in the afternoon and I'm gonna do this. Then I'm gonna make a nice chili. Friday, gonna make a nice chili. It's a nice chili with um corn mint so it's all veggie mint corn stuff's really great it lasts for ages uh and uh, i've got a nice mixed bag of chilies in there so it's got kind of habanero chilies and it's got bird's eye chilies and uh, i've just noticed in there is a scotch bonnet as well if you've never tried scotch bonnets before mama hot aruni those are the ones where you eat them in and you just go, oh dear, I regret that. Or as I did a couple of weeks ago, um, I was cooking, I was cutting up chilies with my bare hands, um, and then I didn't wash my hands, and instead I went for a wee-wee. And I'd forgotten that I got, <laughs> I'd still got chili, basically uh, chili juice on my hand. And then I, uh, I uh, well, you know, you've got to touch yourself down there in order to sprinkle uh so yeah that was very hot uh and then i did wash my hands after that obviously because you're meant to because you know i just did a a wee wee all good boys meant to wash their hands afterwards um and i wash my hands i use lots of uh sterilizing stuff and all that to get all the uh um flips all the spicy chili stuff off my hands and it wasn't enough because it was super hot chilies and then i rubbed my eye and uh yeah that was about about an hour of pain an hour of pain which could only be cured by beers. Mm, thank God for that. Beers and cake. Uh, um, you, you may notice that I haven't uh, slurped yet. I haven't had a slurp of tea. I haven't got a tea on the go. Uh, you may have noticed that I haven't mentioned cake. I haven't got a cake on the go. Why is that? I, I made a solemn promise to uh, a listener that I would not munch and slurp during an episode. Uh because it can be a bit off-putting, lots of slurpy sounds, it's, it, which is odd because I, I do spend hours editing out mouth sounds out of my podcast and yet I'm happy to munch in on the episodes. Mm. So yet now I've made a solemn promise uh, not to do munchy munches, so no eating in this episode, although my cake of the day, I have some pre-made pancakes with some chocolate chip in there, which is very nice. Um, if you're wondering why I'm a bit distracted, oh, boat just went past then, a little bit too fast. And every time a boat goes past, my boat kind of moves about two metres to the left. 
and then four meters to the right and then two meters back to the center again and then sometimes it bangs off the other side uh, but at least the boat is upright today someone left the gates open on the canal yesterday and all the water drained out and i fell out of bed and <laughs> it's kind of hard to sleep when your bed is listing it's kind of listing at about 15 degrees but today it's it's normal <gasps> Whew, that was a lot of waffle. That was a lot of waffle. Woo-wee, mama. So, um, this is going to be the final part of Extra Mile, the Extra Extra Mile. There'll be Extra Mile in the new episodes coming out, but this is the kind of the um, season two midsection three-parter Extra Mile. That was just words, wasn't it? It's was just words. I'm just... I've just had, I've just had a lot of sugar. <laughs> I was just in the laundrette. I had nothing to do. So I was texting and eating a lot of sugar. I've had like shed load of Mars bars bars I'm trying not to swear as well because I promised someone else that I wouldn't swear too much uh so oh dear I'm trying to keep keep control today trying to keep control right so this uh part three of extra mile right are you ready you grip to you sitting there uh some of you may be sitting listening to this episode with your murder mile mug oh oh yes you know I mentioned recently that the murder mile shop was opened Oh, well, some lovely people. Uh, people have been there already, which is great. Thank you so much to everyone who's bought goodies already. Uh, literally today, I've been to the post office and I've delivered uh, two mugs to America and one to Canada. That was today. Obviously, by the time this goes out, those uh, three people will have received their Murder Mile mug, <gasps> which is very good. It's exciting. It's a Murder Mile mug available in my shop. And in there is loads of goodies see, to help you enjoy Murder Mile even more than probably you already do, unless you hate it. Uh, so it's a Murder Mile mug. In it are fridge magnets, badges, stickers, a personal thank you for me, as well as some English tea, so uh, if you've got the current batch at the moment, that will be uh, Taylors of Harrogate. Oh, no, it's Yorkshire tea, which is a biscuit tea. It's a special biscuit tea, so uh, you don't sweeten it. It's already pre-sweetened, but uh, yeah, and it smells of biscuits as well. Uh, British biscuits. Um, I think I think in America, biscuit means something else, doesn't it? I don't know what it means. You, you guys confuse me. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but in there as well are other biscuits as well. So I put in kind of stuff that we have over here, like uh, penguins and Kit Kats and breakaways. Remember breakaways from the 80s? <gasps> I'm sounding like a kind of a northern comedian. Remember biscuits? Remember biscuits from the 80s? Um... And uh, there's some other little sweets in there as well. So so if you go to the Murder Mile shop, it's on my website. There'll be a link in the show notes as well. So you can click on the link. You can get mugs. Um, I've also released all of the e-books as well. So if you enjoy the scripts, you can uh, uh, you can uh, have a look at the uh, e-books that go with it. It's the unedited scripts. It's You will see loads of... There'll be words that I've edited out, but also... Uh, I know words, exciting. Woo-hoo. Uh, words, uh, sentences, whole paragraphs, sometimes whole scenes deleted, especially in the later later episodes. Uh, that I just there was just you know it slowed down the episode, so I've cut them out. So uh, they're all in ten page, uh, ten episode chunks. So uh, yeah, you know you can download those if you like, if you're interested. Um, that is. Uh, sorry, I'm just looking at my screen because I've, I've changed the set things for how I record extra mile because I'm trying to get rid of the mouth sound so this this might be a, sound a little bit different I don't know whether it will uh but you can also download at the um murder mile shop 
you can download uh, the ringtone. You can download that for your phone. That's my ringtone for my phone. Uh, you can also request that I uh, do a special record for you. So if you, if it's someone's birthday coming up, if you want a Murder Mile episode, a little introduction like I do at the start with the do do do, if you want them included in that, I can do that. You just let me know what to say. You, you can order one of those um, and other stuff as well. You, you can order T-shirts there. Uh, if you want bags with the Murder Mile logo on, that's not. A pro- I don't produce those myself, but there's a link for that as well, and there's a link for all the Murder Mile music as well. So, oh yeah, so there's uh, loads to choose from. How exciting! God, I've really whored myself out with uh, this uh, merchandising. So let's get down to the episode. Blah 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 blah. I'm waffling. Uh, so this episode is going to be focusing mostly on music and sounds within uh, Murder Mile. Obviously, with the first episode, which was about bloopers, thanks to everyone for your feedback about that, especially the burps. You enjoyed my burps. We'll have a burp collection coming up soon. I haven't got any to go at the moment because I haven't I haven't got a Diet Coke on the go. <gasps> I know because I'm not drinking at the moment. I, I haven't got any burps. I'm dry. I'm burpy dry. I'm even I'm even windy pops dry as well. I can't do any any bot burps. So none of those. Uh, so. Uh, that was episode one, which was all about kind of the stuff that I enjoy uh, for Murder Mile. Episode two, which we just did, was about the research and the writing for the stories. And I kind of told you about the stories that I love and why they get made. Uh, this is going to be about uh, music and sounds. So I hope this will be interesting for you. Uh, we're going to kick off with this. Might as well. What else are we doing? Uh, so... <laughs> uh, Obviously, I, this is where I sit. I sit on my boat. Uh, in front of me, I got my uh, laptop in front of me, my trusty laptop, which has lasted three years so far. Uh, not everything on it works. The screen is cracked. Uh, one of the USBs is broken. It's uh, the, the mouse is pretty dodgy. Uh, but I've no idea how it survived so long. It's been with me for three years. I use it for like 16 hours a day every day and it's still going thank you lenovo thank you guys uh your laptops are excellent so thank you lenovo if if Lo- lenovo would like to send me a new laptop that would be lovely uh, and i will advertise it every week i promise i promise i love you i love you i promise free laptop thank you very much uh, <laughs> uh so i sit here with my laptop and uh, uh my little microphone which is a yeti uh, thank you yeti fantastic microphone uh i'm changed the settings today so i want to see if this works out nicely i've got a little um pop filter in front so hopefully pop 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 when i do that it, it doesn't it's not too plosive and as i mentioned before because i can't afford a studio i've made a little shoebox uh, and i filled it with sponges so hopefully that drowns out most of the external sounds uh obviously not today because i've got the windows and doors open so it's nice and fresh today but when i record i close all the windows and the doors and the curtains and it's very dark and gloomy but then i record so that's what I do. Oh, that was a little burpee then. A little tiny one. That was just a treat for you guys. If you're missing burpees, that was just a little tiny one. Maybe some more later on. Um, so what I do is uh, normally I try and rehearse each episode. I, I write it. I rehearse it. Well, I rewrite it by going through it and making sure I can pronounce everything I've written. Because you know me. I can't pronounce everything very well. I, I listen, listen to part one. You can hear me stumbling over simple words. And the first episode of Murder Mile was a nightmare. It took me three weeks probably to record. 
because I was trying to get work out what voice I use, because obviously if you listen to the last episode of Murder Mile and you listen to the first episode of Murder Mile, you'll hear that my voices are very different. The sound quality is very different, but also my voices have become very calm and very kind of, welcome to Murder Mile. Whereas in the original version, I was like, welcome to Murder Mile! Because I didn't know how to do my voice. But this is this is, this is is the voice I use now. So uh, then what I do is I, I basically go through it and this takes me about half it takes me a morning to record and then the afternoon is taken up basically with me just going through taking out all the stuff which is the crap of of me not able to pronounce stuff all all the cock-ups but i also go through and i very carefully take out all the all the all that between everything every single word because it really annoys me do you know when you listen you're listening to um some podcasts because um, I'm a podcast listener, I listen to a lot of podcasts, so I, I'm allowed to say this. But I hate it when people go, and so I was walking down the road, <gasps> and then I saw this person who was like, <gasps> you know, they have to do the deep breaths. And I do that as well, because my breath control is absolutely awful. So I deliberately go through and I deliberately an- try and annihilate as many as possible. I don't take out all of them, otherwise it sounds unnatural. But especially for the first half of the podcast I remove all those and I try and remove all of the clicks as well especially with me I find that certain words like welcome uh like welcome to murder mile like at the end of mile there's always a welcome to murder mile there's always a bit of a click so I have to remove the click without removing the word uh, so that takes me about half a day. So that is a real pig. I'm not going to show you a clip with that because I think I think we all <laughs> I think we all know what it sounds like. The difference between me breathing and me not breathing. It's like I don't I don't think you need a clip like that really, uh, which is good because <laughs> I haven't done one. I haven't done one. So uh, basically, so I'm going to start with music first. Um, there is so murder mile music. Uh, where did I start? Well, uh, for me, it was slightly easy uh, because I went to my good friends, Johnny and Eric, who are cult with no name. The f- literally, that was the f- as I was coming up like this was over a year ago. Now, oh, ha- uh, happy anniversary. Um, it was uh, by the time you listen to this, it was the Murder Mile True Crime Podcast anniversary uh, on the I think it was 28th of September so happy anniversary everyone kisses kisses yeah hugs hugs ooh ooh let's have a little bit of a new la la later on not all of us together because that's creepy right (laughs) back on track um so yeah no my good friends uh cult with no name uh i've known johnny and eric for bloody ages now um and when i was doing i've mentioned this before but when i was doing my first play at the edinburgh fringe festival back in 2009 eight nine yeah it'd be about 10 years ago um i'd never performed before i'd never written before i'd never written and performed before i'd never directed before this was all, a solo play all by myself it was called called Mott on the meal. It was about a cannibal who falls in love. Uh, I knew I, I, it was going to be a, a soundtrack and uh, a sound effects because I hadn't got any. I couldn't hire any actors. I couldn't afford any props. My stage was literally two foot by one foot triangle. There was no space to move. It was in a room that had barely fifty seats squashed together. It was basically the back of a pub. Uh, and I thought, okay, I need to create a soundscape. 
in order to interact with this because I, I couldn't perform and I couldn't afford to have a tech in the room to do all the sounds for me. And also, I don't trust people to do it for me. I'd rather just do it myself. So I did a, a, a pre-recorded soundtrack, which basically was the birth of podcasting for me but i didn't know that so that was 10 years ago uh, i needed music um and i went to johnny and eric uh from cult with no name who were great good friends of mine i think they they just released their first album by that point which was called <gasps> if they were here they'd be able to tell me uh what was it called johnny and eric i should really text them uh it's, it begins with a b or c because all the albums begin with A, B, or C. I can't remember. It'll come back to me very shortly. Anyway, if you go if you go to the Murder Mile eShop and go down to the music section, all of their music is there. You can buy their albums. I own all of their albums. You can buy their albums. They're really good. I write. I do a lot of writing to their albums. Um, the reason why I chose them is because of the tone. They have a very kind of. Uh, all the songs are mostly about love, but they all have a kind of a kind of a bittersweet tone to them. Um, I think Eric often refers to it as gloom. <laughs> he goes, "Ah, t- time to add in some some cult with no name gloom." Um, but I like it. It's kind. It's kind of got. It's got a, a kind of melancholy. It's kind of bittersweet. It's kind of. A, there's a real sadness to it. So it fit. It really fit my plays. So they did the music. I. I like, uh, uh, a big fly almost flew into my mouth. Uh, so, yeah, no, I used their music uh, for Moz and the Meal, and then I did a play called Board Stiff. Then I did a play called Schmozzle, which was about a guy who's in a uh, stand-up... He's basically a stand-up performer who's meant to have a in a double act, but he hasn't got a double act, uh, so he pre-records his sounds uh, and interacts with the sounds which was basically what i was doing in stand-up at the same time as well uh but it was just an, a good way of putting my uh uh my sketches together and putting them into a play format they did the music for that then i did a ill-fated play called balloon which was sugary uh yeah it wasn't very good uh and that was my last edinburgh fringe play unfortunately uh so uh, so when it came time to do, uh, obviously, uh, Extra Mile, I thought, right, Johnny and Eric, fantastic. I think their their music really fits the tone of what Murder Mile is about. So I'm going to play this under here. The music you'll hear now is uh, Man in a Bag. Uh, Man in a Bag is from the uh, the the current album by Cult with No Name called Hair of the air of the dog i always get that wrong uh and this was just um, I, you know i asked them for music their new album was coming out uh and they were like have a listen to this and i was like "Ooh, can i have man in a bag because it really suits um it really suits the um the theme of murder Mile. and weirdly i didn't know it. it it was it was about gareth what's his name the um ah the analyst who worked at gchq who was literally found one day in his bedroom tied into a bag in his bath and it's one of those mysteries that still goes on today they don't know whether because of his job whether he was murdered or whether it was a sex game gone wrong or whether he was into some kind of bdsm some kind of sexy kinky stuff and he put himself into a bag you know because some people like being enclosed and he suffocated to death we just don't know so uh yeah so that's man in the bag so this piece of music you're, you're hearing under here is man in the bag and then obviously sometimes because i change the intros for murder mile because uh, sometimes i have a little bit of a preamble sometimes i don't 
But either way, the preamble and the end credits is this piece of music, uh, which is Winsome Lusome by Colt with No Name from the same album. Uh, I like it because it's just got it's got a very kind of different tone. It's kind of I think because Man in the Bag is kind of uh, uh, you know it, it can be it can be kind of uh, it's it's thought provoking, but at the same time it can be, can be quite quite sad you know and i don't mean that in a, in a bad way it's kind of oh do you know do you know when you hear that piece of music at the end you know you're coming to the end but you also know it's the kind of the sadness of it as well whereas winsome loosome has a very different vibe which i really like cult with no name are very good at doing that they're very good at going they're very good at making things sad but also changing the rhythm around and you know they're very talented they know what they're doing that's why i always go to them um so Cult of the Name do uh, a lot of the key music for it. They do the interstitials, they do the uh, opening and closer, and I use their music throughout, so I'll, I'll discuss that shortly. But uh, also a big heads up to uh, some other composers that I use in here. Their music is uh, it's copyright-free. They deliberately put it online, copyright-free. It's a way of advertising that they, they're uh, performers, uh, so hopefully they can be hired by... Um, you know filmmakers and things like that so uh, people i use include uh kai engel i use kai quite a lot he's he's really i'm amazed he's not doing films he's a really really good composer he does he, i i'll mention some of his stuff later on uh taku lee rosevere uh philip vigel roscoll uh Seclarence, who i've kind of found in the second season they were really good steve coombs uh who have i written there <gasps> that's wrong uh Thanasis, Zinu Jam, uh, Sergei uh, Cheremisinov. I used to use him a, a lot at the start, but a lot of other true crime podcasts do use this stuff as well. Uh, so I've kind of stopped. Inflammator, Peter, Peter Rodenko, uh, Jesse Spillane, uh, Parvez Decree, uh, Controlled Insanity. I mean, there's loads. We could literally go on for ages, but I always try, I always try and pull out some different music for each episode because i want each episode to have a very different tone uh even if i do use the same music Whew, deep breath so i'm gonna have a before we go into music i'm gonna have a little break here and i'm gonna throw in a promo if i may and this is for a new podcast a new true crime podcast which is called mugshot You've heard the stories about murder and homicide. But what about the rest of the crimes committed daily? What about the police officer who robbed banks during lunch or the multi-million dollar diamond heist? What about the assaulters, stalkers, and arsonists? I'm Lindsay, the host of Mugshot. Mugshot is a new true crime podcast that tells the stories of non-murderous crimes. Season one has begun and new episodes release on Mondays. Mugshot can be found on most podcatchers and on social media at the handle at MugshotPod. I hope you'll join me, but until then, be on your best behavior or you'll end up with your own mugshot. Cool. So check that out. That was just a really <laughs> was an excuse as well for me to have a little swiggy of water. I was getting a bit thirsty then. I'm trying my best not 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 to do the mouth sounds and the eating. Although I do have some Mars bars on the desk. <sighs> They're next. They're next. Right. Let's crack on. So uh, here's a piece of music that I've used before. Uh, it's used in episode 33, which, if you remember, was the, the Jacques Tratzer episode. That was the young man who uh, 
went into the uh, restaurant uh, on Oxford Street and decided to kill his sister, his brother and his dad. He kind of hated his dad. He wanted to kill his sister because uh, she had epilepsy and he felt it wasn't really bad epilepsy either. It was kind of, even though this was the 1940s, it was manageable epilepsy in the 1940s. But he felt because she was female and because she got epilepsy in the 1940s, he felt it really had ruined her life. So he wanted to help her out. And because his brother had uh, multiple sclerosis, uh, I think his brother's name was Hugh, uh, Claire and Hugh. That were the, that was their names. He wanted to kill them and then kill himself. So make everyone's lives better by killing them. So he went into the restaurant, pulled out a gun, um, and went to kill his family. Um, now, sometimes in the show, what I try and do is get a balance of music over time. So, um, what's what I try not to do is to have too much dramatic music because what I've realised is I'm not really a music composer as such, such, but I do enjoy editing music. And what I've realised is you've got to have a really decent balance between the tunes. You can't just have uh, powerful music, powerful music, powerful music because it just doesn't work. You've got to have the balance out. So um, what I'm going to show is uh, a nice piece of music here. This is called... Um, I'm going to play the clip so you'll hear the clip but you'll have to listen for the music underneath and you'll understand about why I'm trying to get a kind of a rhythm uh, to a rhythm that suits the scene itself so this is a piece of music called Cold War Echo by Kai Engel and what I tried to do here was use the music uh, to create tension behind the scene and then I build it to a crescendo so uh, you kind of feel the tension build and build and build so uh, here's the clip Amidst the noisy chatter as his excited family caught up on lost time, gripping the flat black revolver in his right hand, at eye height, Jack aimed the barrel across the white linen table. His sights lined up to hit Claire squarely in her epileptic head. And as he slowly squeezed the trigger, nothing. No bang. No scream, no death. Confused, Jack tried again. Nothing. And then again. Still nothing. Luckily nobody had noticed, except Hugh, who sat there, aimlessly grinning, as if the gun was a toy and this was playtime. Hiding it in his lap, his family oblivious, Jack sat there, cursing the Canadian sailor who'd sold him this piece of shit. Ten minutes later, he tried again. Nothing. No smoke, no blood, no brains. Only this time, everybody saw Jack with a gun in his hand, feverishly clicking the trigger, his sights aimed at his sister's head. But believing it was just one of Hugh's water pistols, Jack was lightly warned against squirting his family with tea during the meal. And with that, he popped the lethal weapon back under the table. Again, Jack fumed. His meticulous plan having gone to pot, having been sold a shitty shooter by some salty sea dog who'd slinked off with his fiver. Under the linen tablecloth, 
he discreetly fiddled with the faulty firearm, yanking this and tugging that, unsure what he was doing, having never held it or fired it before. But it was then that he heard the hammer go click. Cool, so I think I think that works really nicely. It kind of builds and builds and builds, and then it goes like that. Um, so that what I often do is um, I, I don't plan to use certain pieces of music. What I do is I, I just write and write. And I, I, I don't plan how I want the scene to sound in my head. Literally, I just write and write and write. And then when I've recorded it, I get the screen in front of me and I look at all my dialogue and then I start breaking it down into little scenes I try and break it down into scenes of like three or four minutes sometimes two minutes sometimes less than that and then I mark them up and then I go right um so on there you would have heard uh, the 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 dialogue you would have heard is I would have marked it at that point I would have said right this is this is the peak this is where I want the music to peak and then it will go into a silence or then it will it'll kind of just like that so that's what I do. I mark all of them up. Um, but sometimes dramatic music uh, really doesn't work. Sometimes sometimes it doesn't work for a scene. So I, I've i been playing a lot with this, especially on... Uh, actually, pretty much across all the seasons, really. Uh, so this is the next clip I'm going to play. I'm literally whizzing through these, aren't I? I'm really I'm whizzing through these. Um, so um, this is going to be from episode 21 this is the Sebastiano Magnanini episode so uh, if you remember that was the episode about the uh, Italian tour guide who travelled around the world he'd, yeah, he'd had a really good kind of interesting life but he had his demons as well he had he had uh, he, a very a long time ago like 20 years ago in his past he was uh, arrested for stealing uh, a, a semi famous portrait uh, he got drug issues he was he was trying really hard to deal with his drug issues but he came back to london he met uh he met up with some drug dealers went around their house had a bit of a drug binge and then he kind of went into uh, he ended up in a kind of like a drug-induced coma or, or basically an overdose. And then they um, they did, because they were drug dealers, they didn't know what... They couldn't call the police, so they decided to tie his body uh, into a shopping trolley and then dump him in the canal. Uh, whether he was still alive at that moment, we don't know. But um, so this is the scene. Basically, he was... He just had a cocktail of drugs. And what I was trying to get across was the idea... Um, that he is having a lot of drugs, but it's not too tense because the the tense scene is going to happen next. Basically, when they take him to the canal, I needed that to be tense. So what I needed under here was some kind of uh, ambience, some kind of music that kind of suggested that something was wrong. Uh, so I think this was the first time I used a band called Seclerance. You know, there could be a band. It could just be one person. I've never met them. But this is a song called Contempt by uh, Seclerance. And this is uh, it's just underneath the bed here. So you'll be able to hear this. Four drugs in one body. All fighting against each other. With the extreme highs and lows of love and anger, calm and chaos, euphoria and depression. But these were the minor effects of this lethal chemical concoction, which can also cause nausea, vomiting, itching, confusion, paranoia and hallucinations. Dropping the user's heart rate and breathing to such a life-threatening level that they risk heart attacks, stroke, seizures, 
coma, brain damage, and even death. Of course, as Seb was a seasoned drug user, his 46-year-old body was used to this chemical abuse, and having overdosed before, he wouldn't make the same mistake again. Not now he was older, wiser, and a man with grown-up responsibilities, like a job, a home, and a daughter. So cocooned in his heroin sleeping bag, his addiction sated, Seb fell asleep on the sofa and drifted away to dreamland. So I think that works quite nicely. It's kind of, it's underneath, it's not, it's not a rhythm, it's not driving you anywhere, but it's just kind of, it's, it's suggesting that things aren't quite right. And it's it's not kind of going, like that, it's just kind of like, it's kind of almost like it's not going anywhere but it's it's it tells you everything you need to know so uh quite often i use people like seclarants for that uh because they're very good it's very it's very good when i need to have a moment where i just need just need you to feel something but i don't want the story to uh, shoot off in a direction too far um but then again sometimes although music is important sometimes it's it, it's as important to have silence um i i did this once before where where i actually i i did an episode and it wasn't i can't remember which episode it was but it wasn't working i was like why is this episode not working and then i went back in and i started taking music out and then i realized i just filled it full of music it, there was too much music in there and and it was too much rhythm it was too much do 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 you know everything if if you're gonna have do 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 do, you've gotta you've gotta have that nearer the end. It's like someone someone taught me years ago uh, to do with editing, which was if you need uh, they they use this a lot in films as well, which is if you need the ending to be spectacular and fast, is to not edit fast at the end, is to edit slow at the start. So what you have is really long, slower scenes at the start, which really kind of feed and are very slow. And there's not too many cuts. It's kind of, you know, you can stick with one shot for five or six seconds or just have like one scene where it's just one shot. But as you go through the... um the the like the film you start getting quicker and quicker with the edits this is often where a lot of um a lot of uh, feature films go wrong is that they don't they hire an editor who really doesn't know what they're doing doesn't know how to how to deal with rhythm that in order to make something fast and crazy you've got to go you've got to do the opposite at the start um so silence can be really important but you for me what i try and do and you, you probably notice this i do I use it with the crescendos but for me, it's important to try and get those silences in, to try and get it at the right moment where it's a moment that's really important. And what, I, what I'm trying to say to you with this is like, here's the exciting bit, here's the exciting bit. And then it's like, oh. there's a silence. And then I go, Whoa. and then I say something. You go, right, that's the important bit. And then I kick in with some new music. So uh, this is from episode 40. This is like a, this is like a hits episode, isn't it? This is like... <laughs> uh it's like this like a chart rundown um so this is uh from episode 40 this is the glindor michael episode uh i think i've played some of these clips before i do like the glindor michael episode um so 
what I've got here is you will hear the first the first track that you will hear is a track called As Below by Cult With No Name. Um, and then it will kind of peak to a bit of a crescendo. Then you'll hear the silence. Then you'll hear the kind of the, the key thing that I want you to hear. And then that's the perfect point to blend in with a new piece of music, which is uh, a track called Let Us Remain Friends from uh, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari by Cult With No Name, which weirdly I also used in one of my Edinburgh plays as well. So uh, here's that clip. And as he lay on the cold and dusty floor of an unknown disused warehouse somewhere in King's Cross, being racked with cramp, fever and convulsions, as hot steamy vomit and smoking feces spewed from his orifices as his bowel started to boil, with no one knowing that he was even there, not only was Glyndor Michael lost, unloved, and forgotten. But now, he was dying. After two days of writhing in excruciating agony, with his central nervous system poisoned, as slowly it began to shut down his liver, his kidneys, his lungs, and his heart. Having been found, Glyndor was rushed to the south wing of St Pancras Hospital, but having drifted into a coma, on Thursday the 28th of January 1943, 33-year-old Glyndor Michael was pronounced dead. And with his heart silent, his brain empty, and his blood cold, as rigor mortis set in, and every ounce of life left his slowly decomposing body. His career as a war hero had only just begun. In the bowels of St Pancras Hospital, hidden in the corner of its cold stone mortuary, Glyndor Michael was one of several corpses brought in that day, in varying states of injury and decay. And although he was an unremarkable man, to the coroner, Sir Bentley Purchase, he was perfect. So that's, that, that's something I do, I do quite a lot. Is I try and I try and I try and lead your ear into a certain place because I think if there's music throughout, it's hard for you to hear what's important or not. And sometimes I feel it's better if I can signify it for you. I can kind of just go, like if I'm talking for forty minutes solid. See, because I paused, you're waiting for you're waiting now. You're waiting for me to to say the important thing, and that's that's the thing that I think is key. Is if I'm just talking and talking and talking and talking and talking, you kind of it becomes noise. Whereas because I pause, then you know whatever I say after that becomes more important. So for me, that's really important, especially as this is kind of a narrative and a story, and this is what I I kind of want you to um, hear certain things in a different way. Um, now, one thing that's really, 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 really difficult uh, with editing uh, Murder Mile or the Murder Mile episodes uh, are the endings. Um, it, it may seem really simple, but uh, oh, every week they're a nightmare. Um, and they're not written this way. It's literally, I, I don't sit down and plan 
uh, how long something should be. The the intro is weirdly I do. I, I kind of have a format for the intro, so I kind of know. So uh, when you hear um, the opening track and then it peaks to the end and then you hear the kind of street sounds, that's all. I know that is roughly half a page. And I kind of edit it down slightly. But the endings are more difficult because I have a lot of information to get in. So what I do is I just write the endings. Um, and you, then you know when it, uh, it gets to the point where you hear the final... Uh, which is man in a bag. And then that's your kind of key knowing, OK, this is the end with this, the final two and a half minutes, I think it is. Two and a half to three minutes. So you, you know that that's the ending right there. But then I've only got literally two and a half to three minutes to get the end of the story in. And sometimes I've written four minutes worth. Sometimes I've written five minutes worth. And it's like, oh, God, how am I going to get it in? Um, so it really is. It's about uh, writing it and then trying to get it to cut to fit. Um, so I'm going to play you a clip. This is uh, all of them, I think, work really nicely. Uh, I try and get them to sometimes like with the Susan Moyer episode, or, or I'm getting good at it now, to the point where I say to myself, mm, I hope that I, I'm hoping that this is where the do-do-do comes in, and sometimes I, I record it and I go, oh, it's perfect. I literally don't have to do anything, but this this episode I, I had to really cut it apart in order to make it fit. But I think it worked really nicely and we had some fun. So this is part seven of the Blackout Ripper. Um, this is the scene. He's been arrested. He's in his prison cell. He's waiting to be executed. Yay! Uh, so I'm going to play this clip. With Harry Allen, the executioner's assistant, having shackled the prisoner's hands behind his back. As a prison guard slid aside the large wooden wardrobe, Cummings would be turned to face the dark secret behind it. As barely ten feet from where he stood was the execution chamber. There was no long walk and no green mile. Death had come to him. Being led into the cold stone chamber, barely forty feet wide, high and deep, the eerily empty room had pale green walls a set of sprung trapdoors in the centre, and a wooden beam across the ceiling, from which dangled a thick hemp rope, its end curled into a noose, measured precisely to fit Cummins' head. And as they would swiftly position Cummings onto the chalk-marked T, dead centre on the trapdoors, before he could even realise where he was, a white silken hood would be pulled down over his head. The silk-lined noose would be placed around his neck. And having precisely calculated the prisoner's 5 foot 9 inch, 11 and a half stone frame, Pierpoint would remove the bolt and Cummings would drop. His six-foot, three-inch fall, lasting less than half a second and releasing 1,000 foot-pounds of energy, as his motionless body was stopped from hitting the stone-tile floor by the thick hemp rope, which would dislocate the second and third vertebrae of his neck as fast as a foot snaps a stick. As a legal requirement, 
his body would be left to hang for a full hour to ensure that he was dead. And with no cheers, no joy, and no applause, Cummins would be buried and Pierpoint would be paid £12. That would be the end of the Blackout Ripper. But before the strike of 9am, in his last minute alive, Gordon Frederick Cummings, the man who had terrified London's West End, brutally and savagely slaying four women and leaving two more scarred for life, continued to profess his innocence, gave no further statements and made no confession. Instead, having stubbed out his cigarette and huffing like a man who had better things to do, Cummings impatiently protests to his guards, Come on, let's get this done. And as the steel door opened, his arms were shackled, his wardrobe was slid back, his legs were secured, his head was hooded, his neck was noosed, and Pierpoint gripped the bolt. Amidst the irony that London that very morning was in the grip of an air raid, with a cacophony of sirens wailing, almost as a fond farewell to the West End's most sadistic spree killer. From underneath the heaving hood, as his terrified breath quickened, with barely a second to utter his final words, the blackout ripper said, Nothing. Quite a long clip, that one, but uh, I think quite a good, good uh, finale. I think it worked really nicely. But yeah, I, I spent ages literally shaving like um, like milliseconds off each word in order to try and make it fit, just so I can get, so I can get the do-do-do to appear at a certain point, and then for the that end piece of music that, dr- dra- that drives it out to get it just at the right point as well. Trying to get that balance is really difficult. Uh, but I do enjoy it. Every week it's a challenge. So, um, sometimes I, I, I've started to have a lot of fun with music as well, which is really good, because I know that, um, obviously, there's there's... I try and get new music every week so it's not too exhausting for you. And I, I do find it frustrating sometimes when I listen to other podcasts and I go, oh, God, they're, they're using the same piece of music that I am. Which is, do you know what? The, 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 we've got, we have we really have got a limited supply of music. So, do you know, quite often, though, because there's so many true crime podcasts and other podcasts, there's going to be crossover all the time. So what I try to do is... Uh, find new music but also if i am using music that you're aware of that i've or that i know that i've used quite a few times what i do is i I try and uh, mess around with it so i'm going to play you a clip now um uh this is from episode 139 which is the george pickering episode do you know about the the guy who was deaf and dumb and he kind of uh wanted to kill himself had a bit of a breakdown but ended up uh murdering a prostitute instead um so i'm going to show you this clip this is the uh he's just come out of the cinema watching a a sexy film uh he's drunk he's about to go and visit uh rosa o'neill the prostitute and uh he decides to kill her but um have a listen to the music underneath and i'll tell you uh what makes it different 
on the ground floor, to the left of the store, was a black wooden door. Instinctively, although he would never hear it, George rung the bell and waited in the doorway as he swayed unsteadily on his feet. Opened by the housekeeper, Sophie Georgina Willis, without a sound, just a smile, she ushered him up to the first floor with a wave which said, you know the way. Having visited her several times prior, George always liked Rosa as being one of the few Soho sex workers who didn't mock, pity or shun him. He liked Rosa and with no airs, no graces and no pretense to many young men She was just a nice lady. As George drunkenly stumbled up the white wooden staircase, bouncing off the floral wallpaper and almost tripping up over the soft green carpeting underfoot, at the top of the stairs stood Rosa O'Neill. Being five foot four at a push, fourteen stone at her lightest, and with a motherly yet matronly face, dressed in a pink quilted dressing gown and slippers. She smiled and welcomed him in. But being part man and part monster, with the meek, mild and timid man having shifted into the shadows and the other side of this Jekyll and Hyde, now making strange stirrings within, As from his heart to his head, his blood heavily thumped. Inside pumped a dark and hollow rage. George would later state, I don't know what happened. I I just went berserk. With his eyes wild and his knuckles white, from inside of his blue corduroy jacket, George pulled the filleting knife. With his left hand, having roughly grabbed the scruff of her bathrobe to steady his terrified target, having raised the blade high, he plunged the full length of the six-inch steel deep into the left of Rosa's chest. And using all of his force, anger, hatred and rage, he repeatedly stabbed the sliver of stained steel into her torso, slashing at her flailing arms and slicing her splayed fingers as the bloodied blade sunk four inches deep into her right lung, her liver and her gut. Desperate to fight off her frenzied attacker, as Rosa shoved her short assassin over the soft green carpeting underneath, George stumbled, and as his sticky red hands left thick bloody smears over the white wood, Rosa slammed the door shut, and George fled. So with that, I knew knew that I was going to use that piece of music as I was editing, but I was was very aware of the fact that I'd used it a couple of times before, Um, but also at the same time, I I was... kind of feeling that uh, I just wanted to do something different with it to get across the idea that 
do you know, uh, things aren't quite right in his head. So what I did was uh, I got the piece of music. So at the start, I play the piece of music as normal. So you're kind of listening to it. And maybe in your head, you're kind of going, oh, I know this piece of music. But what I do is I strip it down into into four different uh, copies of that. So the first piece uh, is playing in uh, both ears. So you'll hear it normally. And then what I do underneath, I take the same piece of music and in your left ear, I kind of fade in the same piece of music. But what I've done is I've I've made it about uh, about 10%, the pitch is about 10% higher. So the music is slightly off and it's about 10% higher. So all the pitches are higher and I fade in really, really slowly. Whilst that stereo track, the normal one, I'm kind of fading that down. And then about two or three beats later, I take the same track, but instead of having the pitch higher, in your right ear, I make the pitch uh, about 10% lower and fade that in as well. So that kind of comes in as well. And then at the same time, probably about uh, a couple of beats after that, I take the same clip again and fade this in again um, on a very, very low level in stereo in both ears. But I've put it through a wah-wah, so basically it goes wah-wah-wah which I do I love using because it's got a real kind of a distortion to it and I I use that later on when we go to the sound effects section of of this um but I I I think that worked really nicely I think it gives a a kind of a a real feeling of distortion so you start off feeling that everything's normal and then it goes all crazy and weird and then and then at the end it comes back so that was I can't remember what that was called that was a, a chi angle uh um, uh, a piece of music and I think it worked really nicely by distorting it so I'm having a lot of fun with that now uh, I did the same in the David West episode I took a cult with no name track um, I can't remember which track I used now but it's at the have a listen it's at the very end of the episode just before uh, David West Jr. stabs to death his father but basically I take a piece of music that I know you've heard a hundred times before and I do the same with that I kind of re- really rip it up to piece really rip it to pieces and then kind of build it back together so um, it takes a long time to, to get those to work and sometimes it doesn't work so I have to get rid of it but sometimes it works really beautifully and I just go oh, so happy with that uh, so that was a really good episode um sometimes what i do as well hopefully you notice this as well uh i obviously i do the crescendo so i try and end the music at the right point i start it at the right point i end it at the right point you'll never see me just drop in a piece of music for no particular reason really what i do is i i go right what is the scene about where does it start where does it finish how do i want it to sound what's the shape of it it's i all the pieces of music are very deliberate i never just i never just go drop in a piece of music here because i need a bed underneath me talking that's just it's entirely irrelevant it's for me it's all about emotion and feelings and uh making you feel a certain way uh around the story because there's no point me telling you a story and then having going uh Oh, and then he walked down the street and then he and then he stabbed her to death. If in the background I've got la 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 it kind of really messes it up. It's kind of you know it's it's about getting the mood right. No point writing writing a story if you're gonna mess it up with a piece of music that's entirely wrong. So all the music is very deliberate, which is why I'm doing a whole episode just about just about music and sound effects. so um here's a good example of sometimes 
you get a piece of music and uh, what I normally do is I, I sit down, I play the audio uh, and then on another channel I, I play a piece of music and I go, okay, and I listen to it play out and I go, no, that's not right. And I try a different piece and a different piece and I just keep going through different pieces of music until I get a piece that I feel really typifies it or sometimes sometimes it's an emotional thing sometimes if i find myself getting upset listening to the 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 music and the uh, audio together then i go right i've i think i've really nailed it on this one which sometimes does happen um but sometimes there be piece of music where you kind of it's building to a point and then the tempo changes and you go oh no it's all awful but sometimes you can hear um something that just goes oh hang on I need to reshape my audio in order to fit it around the music because therefore it make it make the music more the music will make the scene more exciting. So um boat's about to go crash because someone's going past in a boat too fast. They don't care. He does not care. Um so uh this is from the Blackout Ripper. Uh, this is, uh, I think this is part five. This is the Catherine Mulcahy bit. So he's just, he's just st strangled, uh, oh, the first lady where he dropped his gas mask. Spo spoiler! Uh, he's just dropped his gas mask. He's gone in search of another prostitute. He's found one called Catherine Mulcahy. He's in her flat, um... And obviously there's some real beats in the music here. And what I wanted to do was to, to utilise the beats effectively. So I had to re-edit my audio. I had to cut bits out. I had to reshape it so it fit with the beats. So I, I, I really like this bit. I was really proud when I'd edited this bit. So uh, here's the clip. Have a listen. Being naked, all except for her boots. With her toes too cold to be exposed. Catherine was desperate for the sex to be over and done with quickly. But with the airman ignoring her pleas. The unrolled condom in her hand. And his penis still flaccid. He continued fondling her breasts and kissing her vagina. Lying flat on her back, her trembling body sprawled diagonally across the bed. The airman never once attempted to have sex with Catherine. Instead, straddling her thin, pale torso, with his knees either side of her hips, and an odd glint in his wide blue eyes, he placed both hands on her quivering cheeks, as if to tenderly kiss her. But as his left hand slowly caressed the nap of her neck, he tightly gripped her throat and squeezed until her vision went black. I think that's good. I think that worked nicely because I, I have used it elsewhere in, in scenes before and it just doesn't have the right feeling. You've got to... If you're going to have uh, something that's going to go like that, you've got to use it effectively. Because uh, if it's just under someone talking, it, yeah, it just doesn't work. So uh, here's one that I did ages ago. So this was a piece of music uh, by uh, Cult No Name. It's from uh, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Really nice piece of music. I'd put it into my episode nine, which was Who Killed Ginger Ray? 
um, it was going really nicely and then uh, Colton and the name were fantastic it's like these are all their songs they, they don't write uh, they pretty much don't write instrumentals at all They're literally it's all it's got Eric singing on it and you know I, I said to them can, can I have instrumental versions and they're like yeah of course so you know Eric took out all of his vocals his lovely vocals and he took them all out so I could use the music um, and then they were like uh, you can use the music from uh, the cabinet of Dr Caligari so that's the uh, it's like a 1920s horror film they did a fantastic score for it like a, a, an uh, electric synth score for that which was re-released really good film they did a great score for it so I was using some pieces of their score um, and I put this piece of music in, and then I was like, "Oh no, there's still some there's some vocals in there," and I didn't realise. And the vocals are because it, it works with the the film Cabinet of Dr Caligari. It's basically Eric whispering, uh, "Can he be made to commit murder?" And nothing stands in that nothing stands in the way of our long cherished ambition, uh, which ba- is basically whispered throughout. It's, it it suits the character. And I thought to myself, "Do you know what? Because I'm doing." This part of the Ginger Ray episode is about the Messina brothers, the pimps, in Soho in the 1940s. And I thought, hmm, if I could edit the audio around that, that would be a nice kind of subliminal um, going into the music for you guys to hear. So hopefully it wouldn't, uh, it, it wouldn't mess up the, uh, the music and the audio too much. It would actually work with it. So uh, I'm going to play this clip now. This is from one of the old episodes. So the, the audio uh, is a little bit, sh- little bit sugary. Uh, but have a listen. I think uh, the, the music works really well. Obviously no record exists of who Ray's pimp was. But the most prominent pimps in Soho from the mid-1930s to the late 1940s were the Messina brothers. Born to a Sicilian father and a Maltese mother, Salvatore, Carmelo, Alfredo, Eugenio and Attilio Messina were five brothers born and raised in Alexandria, Egypt and Valletta, Malta who ran a chain of brothels in both countries before all five brothers decided to expand their illegal operations in England as of July 1933. Having only semi-legally entered the United Kingdom and being self-financed, tax-dodging and independently wealthy, the Messinas began buying up West End businesses in Mayfair, Holborn, and Soho. Cool. I think that I think that, I think that was okay. I think it did really good. That was a, a bit of an experiment, and uh, yeah. So um, sometimes what I do, try and do as well, I'm having fun with this now. Is that what I used to do before was just do sound effects and then just do music. But with season two, what I'm having a lot of fun with is doing music and sound effects combined and really mixing them together. So the next clip I'm going to play is from the Martin Vic Magnuson episode which was in the mid-30s. I think it could be 36. I could be wrong. Probably am wrong. Uh, the Martin Vig Magnuson. So that was the, the young lady. This was not too many years ago. Um, her so-called friend called Farouk. Uh, billionaire's son. Uh, 
as far as the evidence tells us, uh, basically, uh, she went back to his flat. He was an old, he was a good friend of hers. Uh, basically, he, he raped her and murdered her. Um, and then he fled back to the Yemen. Uh, yeah, lovely young man. And basically, his billionaire dad is protecting him. Uh, so uh, this is the episode uh, right at the start. Basically, I wanted to get across the idea. This was when she was born. I wanted to get across the idea of uh, her loving father. Basically, he raced from the island where she was born to Oslo Hospital. Uh, I wanted to get across the idea of uh, him racing across a really nice piece of music amusing there called In Every Way by Colton, their name. Uh, but also in the music as well, what I'm embedding in is kind of sound effects as well. So using music and sounds combined. So uh, let's play a bit of this. As a bitter Norwegian wind blew across the icy frozen tundra in the early hours of Wednesday the 6th of February 1985. The deathly silence was cut short by the sharp squeal of tyres and the roar of a high revving engine. As a set of Saab headlights ripped along the pitch black coastal road from Nasoya to Oslo. To the left, darkness. To the right, the sea, eerily still and black, like blood in the moonlight. Behind the steering wheel, fighting the grip as a speeding and weaving car blew through every stop sign, red light and roadblock, was 25-year-old Erd Peter Magnusson. Being a tall, slim man, with wavy blonde hair and a kindly yet concerned face, Although for the first time in his life, he'd broken several traffic violations, Peter wasn't a criminal, a fugitive, or a maniac, but a loving father. And as a series of pained screams echoed from the back seat, between the legs of his heavily pregnant wife, a tiny blonde crown of hair peeped out as their excitable second child got bored of waiting and with a new world to explore and no time to waste, out she popped, just inside of the doors of Oslo Hospital. With wide hazel green eyes, soft blonde hair and a bright beaming smile, as Peter held his perfect little girl in his arms, he promised that he would always love her and protect her. I like that. I, th I think I, I was unsure about using the, the, the kind of baby crying in the background on there. But actually, when I tried it, I, when I dropped it down and made it really subtle. Uh, I actually found it was it worked perfectly. It was just kind of summed up everything I wanted to say about that scene. Uh, and sometimes with music, um, this is something this came out of nowhere, really. Uh, I use this in the Blackout Ripper, and I use music as a signifier. Now, we'll, we'll, we're going into signifiers in the uh, sound effects section on this, but... Oh, ow, my foot! Oh, I've just crunched a bone in it. Oh, that hurt. Um, so, music, I use music as signifiers, and I did that quite a lot in the Blackout Ripper. So, to back up the truck a little bit... 
Um, basically, I was standing outside Tottenham Court Road tube station on a Sunday, uh, waiting for my, uh, the customers for my tour to turn up. I, I had a couple of minutes to go. Um, and there is normally buskers in that area, so I do a lot of recording around there. Uh, and there's a homeless busker. He wasn't really sitting and he wasn't... St- he wasn't sitting and he wasn't lying down. He was half half sitting, half lying down in a kind of a bit of a lazy way. And I was like, well, he's not really going to earn any money doing that. Um, and um, he pulled out a clarinet and he started playing. And he was really good on his clarinet. Um, so I just started recording. I, I, I managed to record like one and a half songs before people turned up and they go, oh, I'm here for Murder Mile. And I was like, shit shoot i've got to switch off the uh the recording but i just recorded it with my phone um but even though i'd only got a tiny piece of music um he was playing uh summertime uh the jazz piece i can't remember who it's by uh and i i, I started putting it into the blackout ripper episode because I, I i think i used it in the first episode and i was like oh do you know that's nice that kind of sums up soho it's kind of wintry and quite sad and i thought it really sums up the, the tone and then i started using it throughout the rest of the blackout ripper uh series to signify to you so i didn't have to say and then we were back in soho really what i could do is just get the wind blowing and then get the summertime energy and instantly you know exactly where you are you know exactly that we're back near piccadilly circus kind of area so uh this is from uh, one of the episodes so here's the clip at a little after 10 p.m barely an hour later with his heart pumping his nerves tingling and his bloodlust unsated having sunk several more whiskies the slightly dishevelled airman spotted a lone female standing in the darkened doorway of Odenio's restaurant on the nearby corner of Regent Street and Piccadilly Circus, where just two days before, Evelyn Oatley was last seen alive. Being a tall, slim and attractive lady, with bobbed flame-red hair, luminous pale skin, stunning grey eyes, and dressed in a black tailored coat, skirt and hat, he was instantly aroused by her. As a 34-year-old soon-to-be divorcee who had succumbed to sex work simply to pay the rent, she reluctantly hopped in a taxi with a drunken airman and took him back to her Paddington flat. And although she was known locally as Mrs. King, her real name was Catherine Mulcahy. And that that ended up being really useful. Um, I didn't know... With a lot of the buskers, you do, I, I, I just record them. I just walk in. I just record them. Uh, they don't know that I'm recording. I just record it on my phone. Do you know, it's not... I, I haven't got anything posh to record it on. Sometimes it's, it's crappy and it doesn't work. Uh, but sometimes like that, it just it just it's just perfect. It just really, really typified everything that I wanted to say. Um, and sometimes with buskers as well, sometimes things work for a reason so like um i was about to record episode 34 which is the brian alexander robinson episode so do you know that the um the jamaican guy with the disabled hand who'd come over to britain in the 1950s uh 1960s a lot of racial tension and he ended up being stabbed uh by what effectively would be some white racists um 
uh, and basically it was self-defense really uh, but what what I wanted to do was uh, get across uh, a kind of a Jamaican rhythm there Jamaican music and I was thinking to myself because I'd gone through the archives and I couldn't find any uh, a copyright free Jamaican music and I was like okay I'm really going to struggle with this episode and then I, I just finished a walk on a Sunday I went back to Tottenham Court Road tube station there were some guys there, uh, a white guy and a black guy playing some reggae. And I was like, fantastic, I will record that. So I put it in. So I'm just going to play a little clip here. There's is a, a bit of reggae. Uh, um, so uh, here's the clip. Give it a year and Darblay Street may become your very own personal paradise. And yet, today... On the south side of Darbley Street, by the dark and brooding archway of Wardour Mews, where a long line of overexcited and easily duped tourists queue up for two to three hours, simply so they can say that they've sat in a very specific, if underwhelming, cafe. It was right here that Brian Robinson was forced to make a decision which would change two lives forever. So that worked quite nicely because I was trying to work out a, a kind of a way of segueing in Jamaica before we get to the Jamaica story. But actually by having uh, them playing reggae in advance, that was fantastic. That kind of uh, puts it in your head in advance already. Um, and sometimes, sometimes you just you just have luck. Like, I was about to uh, start recording the Susan Moyer episode, episode uh, 44, which is, and I was really struggling to think, oh, God, what? I need a busker, because I always have buskers at the start. I was like, I've kind of everything. Buskers tend not to play really sad music. They tend to play uplifting music. Uh, and I just, I was thinking, I just don't have a piece of music that I could use. So I was walking through Covent Garden, and there was a guy on a guitar, uh, and he was playing uh, Wonderful World, uh, <coughs> the Louis Armstrong song. And I just thought, ah, oh, it's perfect. The, a kind of a more ironic, quite a sad but an ironic song. So because this is an episode about... Um, about domestic abuse and it's a really horrific episode and I thought what I needed some something that conflicts with that but it's also quite a sad song as well and Wonderful World is just you know it, it, it was perfect so it was subtle I've put it in there in the music so here's going to be the I'm going to play you the clip shortly but uh, this is Wonderful World you probably will barely notice it but uh, I think it works quite nicely leading up to the story Today it's a place of happiness, laughter and joy. And yet, there's one truly heart-wrenching tragedy which played out right underneath our feet and it remains untold until today. If you're wondering why this section isn't filled with my usual mix of wit, jibes and sharp barbs, that's because... As this is a deeply tragic story about the horrors of domestic abuse, there's nothing funny to say. And although this murder occurred almost 170 years ago, it's a story which is just as relevant today. 
So there we go. That was a uh, good clips of music. I hope you enjoyed that. Whew, deep breath. So uh, <laughs> um, we're going to have a bit of an ad break. Uh, I say this every week. We're going to have an ad break. There might not be an ad. I always put it in a little marker in there. So uh, if my hosts decide to put in an advert in there, they can do. But you probably won't hear an advert. So uh, I'm going to put an ad break. If you don't hear an ad break, what you'll hear uh, either way is you'll hear a promo for a podcast, which uh, I'd love you to check out, which is called Extraordinary Stories. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, it's Barry. How are you? Let me ask you this. Do you like to hear stories of murder, deceit, and unbelievable true crime? If you do, then you want Extraordinary Stories Podcast. This girl here will be dead by 6pm I will blow her head off you cannot terrorise me anymore do you want to hear stories of incredible human survival stories of some of the most inspiring people who have ever lived I think she did what any of us would do in that moment she played dead She lay there and she pretended to have died. That was what saved her. If you want stories of sex, death, murder, survival and real human stories 
told with humour but also respect, then you want Extraordinary Stories podcast. Imagine turning up to your own funeral in a wig. <laughs> Listen to Extraordinary Stories podcast told by a Scottish man in a thick Scottish accent. Get it on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Okay, goodbye. Let's get it on. Let's do it. Let's get it over. Okie-kokie, sound effects. Oh, sound effects, uh, I think, makes the story. It's uh, As you know, what I try to do is is not use uh, R, and then he opened the door, and then he walked in, and then he opened a beer, like that. I hate that. Oh, it drives me insane. Why tell the audience something when you're already using it as sound? You can, I, I, ugh, just makes me sick. Uh, so what I prefer to do is because we're telling the story, which is one layer, and then because uh, I've got the music, which is another layer, what I try to do is use sound uh, to add an extra layer to your emotion on top. So what I try and do is steer your emotions with the sounds, as opposed to going, and then he got into the car, and then he switched on the ignition. Awful sounds. Uh, And also... Uh, with a lot of sound effects, if you were to go online and go to, like, a sound effects store, oh, God, they're awful. They're really bad. Really awful sound effects. It's all—it's like if you're doing a cartoon, they'd probably be great, but most sound effects online are really dreadful. Um, so I'm the bulk I make myself, uh, or there is a, uh, a, a kind of a, 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 mu- a music, a sound effects archive online, which is called freesound.org, which I, I've been using for like 10 years now. It's really good. It's kind of different amateur sound designers out there, people who record stuff and they just upload it online. Like if they hear something interesting, they go, hey, do you know there was an argument uh, I heard last night? I, I, I've used it on one of the episodes. I used it on the Marion Lee Smith episode. I think so what you hear an argument between a couple and they they have an American accent and it was perfect because Marion is an, is an American so uh, I, I put that into uh, uh, the clip that I'm uh, I'm going insane so uh, I put it into uh, the start of one, uh, episode 43 and weirdly I'm going to play a clip from that now it's not that clip um, don't worry but so what I try to do at the start of each episode is when I'm introducing you to the street itself, what I try and do is get across the idea of what the street is about. Because obviously uh, you can't see it, but I'm trying to paint a picture in your head. So for me, that's really important is to make you uh, see it started. I'm uh, talking for more than an hour and now I start to get that cold. Uh, every happens every week, doesn't it? Um, so, so what I try and do is is paint a picture of what the street looks like in your head. Now, the problem is, this was originally my idea was with Murder Mile. What I was going to do was record Murder Mile on the street itself. So literally standing there and going, uh, today I'm standing on Denmark Street. Blah 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 blah. Now, the reason why I couldn't do that is A, because I, I, I have a stutter and B, because I'm dyslexic. I can't read my own words. Uh, so uh, if, say, a truck is going past at the time that I'm stumbling, either I have to re-record it all then 
or if I cut in the middle, it will sound. I can't. I can't take out the sound of the truck going past. So I did try that at the start. It didn't work very well. So I decided I need to record the audio in a very controlled environment, and then I will add the sounds in afterwards. But I wanted it to be sounds that are as realistic as possible. I didn't want you to to kind of go, oh, hang on, that doesn't that could be anywhere. I want it to sound real and official. So what I do is uh, I go out to that street. I stand in that street. Uh, I record the sounds of that street and I try and get across the idea of what the street is about in such in a short passage of time. And the problem is what I realised with, say, with the say with Denmark Street, episode one, because it's a street that's all about music. Um, even though it's a street all about music, there's very little music. It's like I stood there for about 10 minutes and I was like, oh, OK, nothing's happening. There was a, like a, a bus went past uh there was a uh i think that was it i think and uh, and i was like oh my god this is gonna sound really crappy and it's it's like you can't really do that so what i've realized is that with the street sounds what you have to do is try and contain um all of the street's history uh and what the whole street is about in a short period of time so basically what i do is i cr i create like a compilation of sounds on that scape so you can understand what it's about so i try so i go there and i record the sounds i try and get accurate sounds of the cars going past so you can kind of with your ears you can work out whether it's a quiet street um with some of the streets are cobblestone so i get cars driving past on cobblestones uh if buses go past you know that it's a slightly busier street or if there's trucks going past uh things like that uh, with the Denmark Street one, because it's a street about music, basically I spent an hour walking around the different buildings and walking in and recording the sounds of basically idiots in there playing guitar, playing the same old tunes. Uh, but I mixed it together, so it, it sounds seamless, but actually it's about an hour's worth of recording. But if it gets across the idea to you that this is that uh, Denmark Street is kind of a musical street, then that really helps. Uh, so this is from episode 43. This is the Marion Lee Smith episode. Uh, if you remember correctly, she was the lady who had a young baby called Derek. When he was about two years old, his uh, nanny, this was in Shanghai, basically wasn't paying attention. He fell out the pram. He landed on the floor. He ended up going deaf, but it looked like there was more psychological problems, which were never discussed. And he ended up uh, murdering his mum. Uh, this is on George Street, which is on the back of uh, Oxford Street. Uh, near where the Blackout Ripper's first victim was murdered. It's kind of in that area. I wanted to get... It's quite a posh street. It's, well, it's meant to be posh, but it's, it's people use it as a cut-through, really. So there's a lot of trucks and people go... But there's no real people there. So what I wanted to get across was the idea of that street. So what you'll hear is basically a combination of sounds... A combination of the real street you'll hear the real cars going past i've kind of edited it so it works in a kind of a rhythm uh because there's normally posh dogs on the street i couldn't hear any that night so i put in my own ones not my own dogs i've got kind of sound effects of posh dogs recorded elsewhere uh truck going past uh the, because a lot of people have posh cars there i uh, had the recording of a sound of a v8 engine uh which i've thrown in as well that's not one of mine that's I, I i got that through the archive uh but that kind of typifies the fact when you hear that you go oh yeah that's not that's not a uh a ford or uh um, well that's not like a, a you know a, a prius or something like that you know that that's like a, a relatively posh car you know it's a v8 uh so i'm going to play that clip here we go 
In front of me is Bryanston Court at 137 George Street, a seven-storey mansion house covering half a square block with brown brick walls, black wrought iron railings, Art Deco lamps, and with four huge Doric columns in chalkstone on either side of the black wooden door, it looks very much like an old bank. Like much of Marleybone, George Street is rather grand, as being named after the most infamous of Britain's mentally unwell monarchs, as it's here that the unfairly dubbed Mad King George III ranted, raved, and recuperated from the debilitating blood disorder known as Pephoria. Although this sleepy side street is chock-full of five-star hotels, embassies, galleries, and lines of posh cars, like a very literal willy-measuring contest. Oddly, for a major metropolitan city, there's no people. Wow, this is difficult. This is difficult doing an episode without a cup of tea and some cake. I'm really struggling. This is like me going cold turkey. It really is. I think I'm getting the shakes. <laughs> so, uh, I think that worked really nicely. I think that kind of typifies the street for you. Um, now, obviously, when a street exists, it's easier to recreate what it's about. But with the Susan Moyer episode, which took place in the 1850s, that was more difficult because obviously... That street has been entirely demolished now. And even even though it's a street now, which is about uh, where people come out of theatre and they have a couple of drinks, when I was recording, which was oh, like Sunday lunchtime, it was, it was really quiet. But what I was trying to record was the sounds of uh, that street. I've forgotten what the street is. My brain is gone. Uh, trying to record the sounds of that street in the 1850s. And that's even more difficult. So... Uh, I had to use a lot of pre-recorded sounds, uh, but I used them very carefully. Actually, some of the sounds were my own sounds as well. But what I wanted to get across was what that street sounded like in the 1850s when it was a bustling market. You've got kind of factories in the background. Um, my favourite, you'll hear crows. I always use crows. Uh, the sound of uh, horses because uh, obviously everything would be powered by horses in the 1850s so there's a steam whistle in the background which is accurate for that period um i throw in a bit of music so sometimes instead of using pre-recorded music i'll use uh, music recorded elsewhere this was a music organ one of those kind of organ grinder ones which i think sets up the scene perfectly uh as well as even though this is uh contemporary it was the sound of costermongers so, do you know uh, people in markets going, two for a pound, two for a pound, that kind of thing. Uh, even though that was recorded at Columbia uh, Columbia Road Flower Market in the East End, uh, just like a couple of months ago, it worked for that scene because it was still kind of quite a traditional thing. So, this is episode 44, Susan Moyer. By 1850, Bridges Street was on its last legs. Some of the buildings had rotted away. Others had been ransacked by robbers and rats. And what remained was just decades away from being demolished. And as a thick choking smoke drifted east from Bealfield's papier-mâché works, and every bankside furnace and toxic textile factory belched out great plumes of noxious fumes. Being just six years before Soho's deadly cholera outbreak, and eight years before the Great Stink, which saw the city's main source of fresh drinking water, the River Thames, 
turned into a festering pile of floating turds. London was not only dangerous, it was deadly. But for Susan, it was home. At 25 Bridges Street stood Moyer's Bakery, a rickety old two-storey building made from warped timber and crumbling stone. With a roof having caved in years earlier, only the front part of the upper floor was habitable enough to rent out to lodgers. So with the basement taken up by the bakehouse ovens and half of the ground floor converted into a shop, the Moyer family lived in the small back parlour which comprised of a kitchen where the children slept and a simple bed for Alexander and Susan. Brill. So I think I think that'll work quite nicely. Uh, obviously with the rest of that scene, because it was hard to replicate the sounds inside the bakery and things like that. So I actually, hence I used a lot of uh, wind and rain. Uh, that helps me disguise a lot of things. But I actually created the sounds of ovens as well. So the fire, if you listen to that episode again, you hear the ovens. Um, that was actually uh, uh, my fire here. So I recorded the sounds of crackling in the fire. Um, and then because it was a, a windy day, this was, I think it was just last winter, it would have been, there was kind of an, uh, there was kind of a hollow sound going through the chimney. So I recorded that. So that actually became part of the ovens. Um, because there was no sounds of, of, of like pre-Victorian ovens anywhere. I know, weird. What are people like? They don't. They, they've got good sounds for me. Um, so, I think as I said before uh, about signifiers with music, I use music as a signifier. So with the Blackout Ripper, it was the clarinet player. Um, I I do the same with sound effects as well. So sometimes what I'll do is I'll layer in some sound effects at the start. And then I'll use the same sound effects later on. Uh, so I don't have to say to you, we're back on this street. So with the the last episode I did, uh, uh, episode 45, the Camille Gordon episode. So the, the Jamaican girl who come over here to work hard to become a nursery school teacher. Uh, and she ended up working in a, uh, a clip joint um, on Archer Street. Uh, and she got stabbed uh, by a disgruntled customer. Um, so at the start, when we introduced in the street, I kind of uh, used realistic. It was qu- it was quiet when I was recording the street, which is a real pain in the ass because uh, silence doesn't come across well when you're recording. Uh, so because the street nearby is cobblestone, I used that. Uh, crows come back uh, the Soho crows there's loads of crows in Soho so I use them quite a lot and they're a good signifier of kind of uh, things going dodgy and wrong uh, there's always dogs on the street there were dogs around that time so I, uh, it didn't come across in my recording so I used a different recording uh, and obviously wind and a heart rate we'd already pr- um, I'd already set that up in an earlier scene so you knew by the time later on when we come to this clip uh, you knew, even before I said Archer Street, you knew exactly where it was. So uh, here's that clip. But one man, he wanted revenge. On Monday the 1st of March 2004, at 6.20pm, a customer approached. He was mid-twenties, 5 foot 8 inches tall and dark-skinned. Wearing blue jeans, white trainers, a black hat with a white stripe, and a dark hooded jacket, 
emblazoned with the motif of the Cleveland Indians Major Baseball League. Greeted by Camille, and having paid his fiver, he was led downstairs into the Blue Bunny Club. Ten minutes later, being handed a bill for £370, a heated argument ensued. And having been fleeced to the tune of £90, the man was forcibly ejected by the bouncers, spewing curses as he stormed off down Archer Street. For those at the Blue Bunny Club, this was just an ordinary day. But having been made to feel stupid, Forty minutes later, the furious man returned. So e- even without that, you could don't have to say Archer Street, don't have to say the Blue Bunny Club, because everything is there that you need to hear that signifies where you are. It kind of, kind of, uh, kind of like a, an audio shorthand in a way. It kind of makes it easier for me. It's not, not something I think about when I'm uh, uh, writing, but when I'm editing, quite often I'm thinking, oh. I, if I need to shorten a scene, like I need to cut out a couple of lines, I'll go, oh, actually, I don't need to say we're on Archer Street. I could just use the crow and the dogs. And, you know, with Blue Bunny Club, it was already there. Like, we'd already got the um, the the long echo or the pull stretch, as we call it, of me going, sex. That literally was just me saying sex. But I do a, I do an echo and a pull stretch, which is basically just make, making the, the end of it incredibly long. Uh, and one thing oh, I'll throw this in now because it's one thing that you won't have noticed at all, uh, or maybe subliminally, maybe you might have. But in that sound there, you would have heard a uh, kind of a really long vocal sound that goes on for ages. Uh, that is actually so earlier in the episode, just before the gentleman goes downstairs to to go to the club camille gordon turns to him or the hostess turns turns to him and says have fun and that's just before he goes into the club and gets ripped off that uh sound is actually uh her saying well me technically saying have fun but i've extended it really long so hopefully that goes into your brain subliminally um but you never know. So I'm having fun with that. I'm enjoying that. So uh, let's go on to the next clip. So this was the Larry Winters episode. Obviously, uh, you remember Larry Winters. That was the the guy that had a really troubled upbringing. Oh, that was a little burpee there. Tiny little burpee. See, I'm coming back with the goods. Um, Larry Winters episode. Obviously, uh, he, uh, he'd had a troubled upbringing. He got into petty crime. Uh, he came to London. He joined uh, the military, which was a bad idea because he really hated uh, being told what to do. He'd absconded from the military. Uh, I've forgotten what the proper word is. I, I'm using the word absconded. Uh, uh, he he came to Soho. He needed money to get back to Scotland. He hadn't got any money, so he decided to rob the Whitehorse Public House, which is on Archer Street as well, corner of Archer Street and Rupert Street. Um he shot a barman called Paddy O'Keefe, and that was basically the start of of his life, which was just awful, just absolutely awful. But what I wanted to do was get across the idea of Larry Winters. Uh, pre to this, we'd already heard 
uh, the street. You'd understood what the street was about. I'd already put the signifiers of the sounds in there. But now we got Larry Winters coming back to the street. Um, you already know what the street is about. But now what I want to do is get across the idea that this is the same street that you know about. But everything's a little bit more messed up now. Things are not as they were. So what you will hear is you'll hear the same sounds. You'll hear the kind of the uh, the crows are back in there. You'll hear police sirens. So uh, this is already what's already been preset up. But if you listen to it carefully, what you'll realise is a lot of these sounds are messed up. There, I've put a lot of them in reverse. So even though they sound very similar, you'll be listening to them and going something in your head. Hopefully, uh, will be going. Hang on, this isn't right. Why? Why does this sound weird? Uh, so uh, this is a clip from the Larry Winters episode. Although, like many young men, Larry was usually tidy and trim. But today, with his eyes all crusted up with sleep, his fuzzy brown hair a tangled mess, and hanging off his five foot nine inch frame was his crumpled dark suit, white shirt and black tie, which was etched with an odd crisscross of lines, as if he'd slept for a bit, but not in a bed. Larry was tired, hungry, and broke. For the last 24 hours, Larry had aimlessly walked around the West End, as the endless streets of Soho scuffed his once shiny shoes. With no money in his pockets, no food in his belly, and a thick Glaswegian accent, which told the world that this desperate young man was stranded 380 miles from his Scottish home. He didn't ask for help, and he couldn't, as having a bulbous nose, sticky-out ears, and eternally smirking lips, Larry was a wanted man, on the run, who was easy to spot. As Larry slinked off Shaftesbury Avenue, and up the shadowy cobblestoned road of Rupert Street, being bathed in lurid neon signs that flashed a steady stream of unsubtle single-syllable words like sex, nude and girls. Although he was a young man, Larry wasn't here for that. But with a second night of homelessness and hunger looming, he knew that where there was sex and drink, there was money. So I think I think that gets across the idea of of what's going on in his brain, in his psyche. So uh, yeah, I enjoyed editing that one. That was a bugger. That was a real bugger to edit. That was. Uh, but I think I think it came across well. Um, so I I also had a little bit of fun with the George Pickering episode at the start. What I wanted to do was get across the idea that when he was born, things weren't quite right. Um, and they weren't. If you remember with George Pickering, he had meningitis at a very early age, and that caused him to go deaf and mostly mute as well. Um, so here's a, a little clip in here. Um, what you'll hear is, I think you you hear the music coming in, uh, then you'll hear uh, what sounds like evil sounds, but what you'll realise is, is it's, it's baby sounds, really. It's the sounds of babies crying, but all I've done is basically, I've uh, done the same as 
before i've slowed down uh, them to like a ridiculous speed some of them are really slow then they get a little bit faster then there's a more crying comes in and then it kind of creeps into a kind of uh, a regular rhythm then the music kicks in and in here as well you get to hear my very crappy sean connery impression <gasps> enjoy and yet in a police investigation which was short swift and thrift Although George's guilt was guaranteed, one question remained unanswered. George, if you knew all that, then why did you murder Rosa O'Neill? In the ungodly hours of the 21st of February 1937, a high-pitched scream wailed down the maternity ward at Stanmore Hospital. But this was not a cry of death, but of birth. Possibly not, not my best Sean Connery impression. It's not meant to be Sean Connery. It's just I couldn't think... I, I, you know me, I struggled with Scottish accents. Uh, and I just thought, you know what, I, I'll try a bit of Sean Connery. My my best Sean Connery impression, here we go, is from Thunderball. Okay, uh, he, say, he says this line, and it's the best line ever. It's the best Sean Connery line ever. It's, I think it's back in the days when they still had S's in most of his scripts. I think I think he actually has most S's removed from his scripts. Uh, but it's his, it's this. He goes, uh, I'm Klaus Hergesheim in G-section, checking the radiation shield. Thank you very much. That's my Sean Connery. Have a listen to that line in, in uh, uh, Thunderball. It's it's fantastic. It's got so many S's in it. And uh, uh, chicken, chicken radiation shields. He rolls on his R on there. And it's really nice the way it sounds. Uh, so coming to the end of our uh, sound effects clips, there's one that I want to throw in here. This is something that I play with a lot because I want to make the audio experience as, as enriching for you as possible. So this was in the Helen Mary Pickwood episode. Uh, I've actually done this twice on two different episodes. I think on Larry Winters as well. Um, so Helen Mary Pickwood, if you remember, she was uh, the lady who got pregnant by uh, uh, Captain Tickle. Lovely, funny name. Unfortunately, not a nice man. Um, she had a dodgy backstreet abortion paid for by him. Uh, it went very badly wrong. It's a horrible episode. Um, and she ended up dying. Uh, but in one scene, she was uh, she was uh, on a train. She was I think she was heading off to meet him. All I got was a, a, a mono recording of a train disappearing. So just literally one track. I think it was in the left ear. Um, it didn't really work nicely. And what I wanted to do was create a real kind of uh, feeling that she was disappearing off on a train for you. So what I did was I, I got the mono track. I did it in your left ear. I duplicated it so it was in your right ear. So basically it was a stereo, but really it wasn't. It was like a duo, duo mono track. Uh, and w then what I did was uh, I got the same. So it's basically the same track. It, it literally isn't going anywhere. But what I do is I have it at a set level in both ears. And then from your left ear, as the track progresses, I have the volume dipping in your left ear. And then I have it increasing in your right ear. So it actually sounds like the train is going off in the distance. And really it's not. It's it, it, the train is moving, but you just can't hear it because it's a mono track. But I've, I've created a fake stereo surround sound track. 
I think that took me about about an hour to do that but in the end I was really happy with it it worked really nicely so uh, here's the clip in 1929 13 years before Helen and Edward had met Edward Tickle had married Renee Oriana Haynes in the St Martins in the Field Church in London they had two lovely children and lived happily in Mill Cottage in the quaint Oxford village of Burford. But Helen knew none of this. To Edward, she was just a bit of fun. But being so besotted with him, Helen travelled from Liverpool to London every two weeks to see him. And yet every time she did, Edward ignored her. Choosing instead to boast to his army buddies about the many affairs he was having behind his wife's back. As drenched in tears, Helen sobbed her way home. Throughout their relationship, Helen kept a diary. Sometimes she loved him. Sometimes she loathed him. Sometimes they'd break up. And other times she'd woo him back. At the end of that as well, you'll hear uh, you'll hear writing, writing on a notepad. Uh, that's not a pen or a pencil writing on a notepad. That's scissors. Problem problem with most sounds is most sounds don't sound like they should sound. Like flies. Flies don't buzz. Well, one fly does. Is uh, The blue bottle makes a really nice sound. But the only way you can get blue bottles in is by having decomposing flesh. Uh, so fly sounds are really impossible. I end up when I use fly sounds, I end up ha- I end up having to get uh, wasps because wasps make a nice buzzing sound. But here, um, a pencil writing on a piece of paper really doesn't make enough sound. It's it's quite shallow. So actually, uh, this was meant to be the sound of writing in a notebook. This is actually scissors on a piece of card. Uh, it comes across much better. And uh, you know, if you listen back to it, you'll go. Ooh. Yeah, maybe it is but if if i don't tell you you wouldn't know that um and then final clip uh god it's a long episode i always wonder whether i've got enough stuff to fill an extra mile episode and i write a couple of notes on my screen and think oh god that's barely half an hour this is probably another two hour whopper whopper episode <gasps> i'm definitely going to enjoy those pancakes after this pancakes and a couple of beers <gasps> i'm gonna start with a desperado mm, desperado nice kind of Oh, Mexican beer laced with tequila. That is the way to start a night. Oh, God, yes. So, final clip. Um, As I said before, with signifiers, what I try and do is uh, put something in your head earlier on and then 10 minutes later it comes back or 20 minutes later and things like that. Um, I had a lot of fun with this on the Charlotte Street episode. So, if you remember with the Charlotte Street episode, it was the false opening where I said... Uh, some some blokes basically did uh, uh, a robbery and then they got executed and it, it changed the way that in Britain that we don't have uh, the death penalty anymore. Um, and then I did uh, basically the whole episode was about um, how the guys did the robbery. How, you know, they're not really heroes. They're meant to come across as heroes, but really they're just buffoons. And basically you hear about the planning of the robbery, robbery and the execution of the robbery. And then partway through... Um, someone gets shot but what I do is I, I 
because of the way that the story is told through the media, basically the guy getting shot is, is, is such an irrelevant part of the story. But for me, it's the most important part of the story that this guy ended up tried to do a heroic thing and ended up dead because these losers wanted some money because they, they were too lazy to get, get off their asses and get a proper job. Um, so in the main part of the story, what I do is I, I, I run in with the sound effect of his Indian chief motorbike. Obviously, I couldn't get the sound of an Indian chief motorbike. So I used the best. I think it was a Norton from the 1940s or 50s, about near about as near as I could get. Uh, but it sounds good. I drop down the tone just a bit. So it sounds as near. So it sounds more raspy. But what I do with this clip amongst the cacophony of prior to this is like a cacophony of uh, sirens going off and people shouting and trucks and oh it's just like a real um, melange oh that's very good oh well done i put the word melange in a real melange of kind of uh, different sound effects so, so, so it's a real cacophony of uh, everything that's going on and then hidden in there kind of you hear the mic motorbike come up and kind of uh, do a bit of a screech and then then he gets killed and then other sounds happen and then later on i bring that sound back but i put it more in focus for you so this is a two-part clip you'll hear the first part which is the bit earlier on where i kind of introduce the sound of the motorbike but it's kind of amongst everything else so hopefully you, you you'll recognize you'll hear it but you'll kind of like it, it's kind of i've made it irrelevant and then later on I make it really important. So it's a two-part clip. You'll hear a bit of a dip, and this that's the, the division between the clips. So there we go. And after several seconds of sweating, thumping, and colourful curse words, by the time that the stuttering engine finally fired up, not only had a 10-ton truck blocked the fleeing bandits' escape, but as they tried to reverse, a second truck pulled up behind. That morning, having left his home at 186 High Street in Collier's Wood, South London, as a husband and wife team, Alec and Gladys would often ride from showroom to scrapyard across the city, building the business and making sales. With him on his motorcycle, and her in the sidecar. But with their youngest son being sick with the flu, that morning, Gladys stayed at home. At 2.32pm, being parked one block south of Jay's the Jewellers, Alec was sat atop of his flame-red 1930s Indian Scout motorcycle. He just had two more sails to go, and then he would go home. In the distance, he heard what sounded like a car backfire and thought nothing of it. And then a second bang, from the same direction. Slowly, as the traffic thickened, alarms wailed, and an armed angry mob loomed large on the northwest corner of Charlotte Street. Being blocked by trucks, and desperate to leave, with two decent citizens having wrestled one robber to the ground, and the taller, masked man now ready to run. Alec fired up his motorcycle, roared his bike up Charlotte Street, and right outside of Jay's, 
He cut off the robbers' only space of escape. Being stood face to face, Geraghty could easily have backed up, climbed over, or pushed by Alec, but he didn't. As Alec was unarmed, with his empty hands spread wide to block the robbers' escape, seeing red, Geraghty shot. Alec in the head. So yes, oh, all clever, isn't it? All very clever, yes. But uh, do you know what? I have fun. That's that's why that's why this takes so long to do a murder mile episode because it's it's really not just it's not just throwing sounds in. It's not just throwing music in. It's not just it's it, it really is everything is there to tell the story. It's there to tell a very specific story and to to get you feeling certain emotions at a certain point at a certain time you know that's why that's why each episode takes like 60 70 hours a piece to do um i could i could say that i I wish these episodes were were quicker but i do you know what i i I enjoy i enjoy the challenge every week of sitting down and not knowing how to edit these things not knowing how to write it not knowing how to research it not knowing how to edit it how to do the music how to you know all of this and it's all skills that i've learned off just just randomly it's not stuff i've been taught literally as every week i'm learning a new skill but i enjoy it and i enjoy the challenge i enjoy getting to the end and going right i I think that was a good episode or with some of the episodes we've just done where i've just had to rewrite big chunks of it uh had to re-edit some of it sometimes just because it was just it just didn't work properly enough and i'd rather give you a really good episode than an okay episode uh so oh dear that was exhausting how are you feeling are you okay you've probably been if you've had one of the murder mile mugs you probably enjoyed a nice cup of tea haven't you did you enjoy the biscuits as well oh god those pancakes are calling me. <laughs> i'm gonna demolish them they're huge and i'm gonna demolish them but before we do that uh gonna do uh i just want to say a, a little thank you to our new patreon supporters uh thank you to everyone everyone's been really great um obviously oh if if you're thinking about becoming a patreon supporter please do literally there are tiers on there of of like three dollars a month uh ten dollars a month twenty five dollars a month fifty dollars a month which no one's done yet Uh, i understand it or but you can select your own costs so so i've got people on there who donate a dollar a month two dollars a month and every single dollar really is so appreciated it really is uh you get whenever you donate you i i i even though you get an automatic response that says thank you very much for that i send you a personal thank you as well and on here i send you a, a, a thank you as well on here as well on murder mile so uh this week's uh patrons uh, obviously when is it uh, this is the 5th of october at the moment remember remember the 5th of october uh, <laughs> um so you probably aren't going to hear this episode till the 17th. I'm getting these done early because I need to get all the research done for uh, the the big multi-parter. So if after, if you've signed up to um, uh, Brain's Gone Patreon 
uh after the 5th of october you i i will have emailed you this anyway but you won't get your thank you won't get your thank you on an episode until like november when we come back with a new season uh so um basically i want to do a big thank you to laurie smith andrew eastwood heidi olsen and dina siegert they're my new Patreon supporters at the moment as of the 5th of October. So thank you guys. Very much appreciated. Uh, on uh, I've just upgraded the Patreon um, uh, privileges at the moment. So uh, anyone who is a $3 a month or above Patreon supporter gets my first ebook. So I've got uh, the first 10 episodes, an ebook, absolutely free. Uh, it's it's on the way it's on there you just got to download it and, and enjoy it and some people already have and they've really enjoyed it um if you are ten dollar a month not only do you get um you get uh early episodes of murder mile which is fantastic so you get them like three or four days before everyone else and you get them without adverts as well um but you also get episodes uh, sorry ebook one and ebook two if you're twenty five dollars a month uh, you get a murder mile mug with all the goodies in it. You get all the pre episodes as well, uh, and you get uh, ebooks one, two, and three, which includes the Blackout Ripper as well. Some most of the Blackout Ripper. And if you're the big fifty dollars a month uh, patron, which no one has yet, and I entirely understand that because it is a lot of money. But if there is anyone out there who who is who is uh, relatively wealthy and uh, is willing to support a bald fat man who is starving to death making uh podcasts <laughs> um uh, for that you get all the ebooks that have been made so far by me and for the future you get all of your pre-episodes you get a personal thank you for me of which everyone does here uh you get the murder mile mug with all the goodies and a handwritten uh thank you and a personal monthly video message from me personal not uploaded anywhere just from me saying thank you so much humbly humbly bowing bowing but obviously i thank everyone as well i really do thank everyone if you're listening to this episode i really do appreciate the fact that you are taking time out of your day you're busy people and you're taking time to listen to me waffle <laughs> or do you know you you listen to me tell you stories and uh, uh i i really do appreciate the fact that you are you are doing that and uh, also i appreciate everyone who has shared murder mile with their friends that really does help even if you can do that this week that would be really really kind of you if you could just post on your facebook page or on twitter or any social media or or, or any forums you listen to just saying hey i i really like murder mile this is my kind of thing that would be very much appreciated because obviously the more uh, the more audience more audience oh god that's not even words what is going on uh the more people i can get to listen to murder mile the more i can hopefully try and make a little bit more money off the adverts which can keep me alive which means i can keep making murder mile which would be great uh one way that you can now oh, shameless promotion shameless promotion is because i've set up the e-shop as well uh, i make a tiny tiny amount of money off the e-shop but you know what I want people to enjoy Murder Mile, so if you, if if you can buy a mug, uh, I think I make a tiny bit of money off that. But do you know what? I love the fact that people are buying mugs. You get badges with it, or you buy all stuff on there. But also, if if you don't want to be a, become a Patreon supporter, I entirely understand that. But you do want to make a tiny donate donation to um, Murder Mile. 
Uh, you can do that through my eShop. I know, I know. I'm a shameless whore. I really am. Uh, what I've done on that is uh, I, I've set up a thing called Donate to Murder Mile. Um, and what you can do uh, is you can just uh, click on there. Um, there's a, a selection of things on there you can select. You can donate. Uh, you can donate a pound. It's it's all in real money. I'm sorry, no no dollars on this one. It's all in pounds. I know. Uh, so you can do uh, a pound. You can do five pounds, ten pounds, twenty pounds, fifty pounds, hundred pounds, um, or, or do, uh, various denominations of. You can do, you can do seven pounds if you like, um, and it all goes it all goes straight to Murder Mile, which is really exciting. So, and I've decided from this point onwards that you will be listed on here as a banker. I'm going to call you my bankers from now on. So uh, my first banker has, has just popped up. Uh, so I just want to say a big thank you to Trevor Williams. Thank you so much to Trevor. Uh, my first banker uh, very kindly donated some money. Didn't didn't ask for anything at all. Uh, literally just said, really enjoyed the show. Um, and uh, here, here's some money, which is very kind of you. So thank you so much, Trevor. That's very much, very, very much appreciated. Oh, dear, I'm tired. Uh, so um, the, the link is in the show notes to the Murder Mile eShop. Check it out. There's some there's some goodies on there. There's ringtones. There's, there's loads of stuff. There really is. Uh, so Murder Mile is going to be off the air for the next two weeks. I know. Upsetting. Uh, I could have done I could have done more uh, extra mile episodes, but what I want to do is to have a little break from this because I really need to. It, it takes a day to, to even just a day just to do the extra mile episodes, to do the editing and get all the clips for it uh, and the recording. So what I want to do is take a little bit of a step away from this. Sit down. I need to sit down with the research for the uh, the Freddie Mills episode, the two parter, and the very exciting. <gasps> <laughs> the very exciting uh, uh, eight to ten parter, eight to ten parter. Still undecided. I'm trying to, I'm trying to iron it down at the moment. The multi parter, which is going very well. Research is going very well. Um, I've read pretty much every page so far. There is probably about three thousand pages of uh, court testimony and witness statements and. It's opened my eyes to a case that I thought I knew, but actually there's more angles to it. So, uh, I, yeah, I need to sit down and really, really go through those uh, that episode to get it right and tell it in a very, very murder mile way. It might be very different to the Blackout Rip. I think that's what I want to do is do something that's very different. Uh, so uh, that will be coming soon. So basically, uh, Murder Mile will be off the air. I'm just going into my phone right now to find out when we are back. Because I put it in my phone. I know, because I'm, I'm awful at remembering things. So we're going to come back with episode 46. And that will be on Thursday the 8th of November. Mm. It'll be Thursday the 8th of November. So hopefully I will have edited uh, the first two episodes by that point, I'm hoping, so I can get myself two weeks ahead, which means I don't have to take any time off over Christmas, which means you won't miss out on, on Murder Mile over Christmas, and that'll take us right through to January when we can end the season. <gasps> and I could take a bit of a break, which would be lovely. That'll be a big break. That'll be like six weeks. I know, I know, I know. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Anyway, so this ends the episode of Extra Mile, Extra Mile Part 3. Thank you so much for listening. I think that was a big one. That was probably over two hours. 
Oh, dear God. Oh, <laughs> exhausting. So uh, I'm going to end with a song. You're welcome to join in. Uh, obviously, I think before I've done Golden Girls, haven't I? And I've done Cheers. Right. And obviously, in Britain, in the 80s and 90s, obviously, we only had like three three channels that I remember. And then we had four channels. And then finally, we had five channels. And then Tourette, and then Satellite, Statellite came in. Oh, shit. Uh, 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 my phone just went off. Um, so... Um, Obviously, in the 80s, I spent a, we had a lot of American imports. Uh, and one of them that I used to enjoy, which I think we all enjoyed, was a fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Uh, Will Smith in his early days. So, I'm going to sing the, th- the song from the fresh Prince of Bel-Air. You're welcome to join in if you like. Uh, if not, you can just switch off. Unless you've already switched off. You probably already have. So, I'm going to sing the song and then we're going to say goodbye. So, welcome to join in. After three three oh oh i'm gonna miss out the start i'm just gonna go into the into the in west philadelphia that bit because i don't like the start i hate the start right okay ready three two one in west philadelphia born and raised in the playground is where i spent most of my days chilling out maxing relaxing and cool shooting some people up outside the school (laughs) when a couple of guys who were up to no good started making trouble in my neighborhood i got in one little fight my mom got scared she said you moved with your auntie and uncle in bel-air I whistled for a cab, and when it came near, the lass's, fresh, uh, the lass's plate said fresh, and it had dice in the mirror. If I had anything, I would say this cab was rare, but I thought, now nah, forget it, not home to Bel Air. I pulled up about seven or eight, and I yelled to the cabbie, your home's my you later. I looted my kingdom, I was finally there, to sit on my throne as the Prince of Bel Air. Poor oh, dear. Thank you so much, everyone. This is Murder Mile signing off for the next two weeks. Tati bye. Bye bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.